Blog Talk Radio. Wednesday night from Tampa Bay, Florida. What a hockey game last night. We'll get their experts to talk about that. From from New Jersey Shore, Mr. Don Henderson. From Atlanta, Mr. Roger Hedler. From Sarasota, Florida, Mr. Frank Carroll. And, and our legend, 
Mr. Roy Covington, Tampa. Roy, was that the best hockey game you've seen for the Lightning in their history last night? No, not close. <laughs> not even close, Tommy. <laughs> Boy, you, you <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I mean, you ask me a question, I'm going to give an honest answer. Uh, no, they played sure. a very good game. Um, they, right. They've, uh, you know, they they got the exceptional goaltending. They uh, proved that they are by far the best team in the uh, Central Division. But um, mm-hmm. I seem to remember a game six in uh, in Calgary that was uh, pretty darn good. I remember a couple overtime yeah. games against Philadelphia yep. back in the day in the playoffs mm-hmm. that were pretty darn good. And, uh, yeah, I'm not going to put the best game uh, when you're just winning a second-round uh Game on right. the road to nothing. Uh, no, I, it, it was a good game. I mean, they're playing exceptionally well. Oh, that's, yeah. that's the yeah. thing you got to remember is that I mean they've had no issues at all with two teams that um, really played you know very strong throughout the course of the regular season. Um, you know, Florida and Carolina we thought were the elite of the uh, division the way things were going. Right. Uh, turns out that um, you get Stamkos uh, healthy and you get Kucherov back and. Yep. Uh, even with uh, Victor Hedman being about half speed, if that's what it is, you know, he's pretty mm-hmm. playing a lot better. Tampa just uh, Tampa's learned how to play in the playoffs, and and that's what I've told right. from this these two uh, these two series so far is that mm-hmm. Tampa has uh, Tampa has learned how to play in the playoffs. They um, they weren't there two years ago. Um, they certainly played very well last year and uh, didn't have much trouble with anybody, but. Uh, this is really a confirmation of that, that um, they have learned how to play in the playoffs and uh, right. they do not have a match in their division. I'm not sure that there's a match in the conference. Um, if they end up facing uh, the Islanders again, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a repeat of last year when uh, Tampa just, you know, the Islanders looked very good and then all of a sudden they took on Tampa and it's, uh, it's like they lost. Right. Uh, they couldn't get out of second gear. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the same thing happened. Um, Boston uh, might be a little bit tougher opponent for him, but um, I don't see anybody giving the Tampa Bay a, a battle just yet. Uh, I mean, it could happen with, with the Islanders or, or the Bruins, but to be honest, um, unless they face Colorado, uh, I, I don't think they're going to – I don't think – I think they've got the cup unless they face Colorado. Let's put it that way. You can look at two sides of it. Uh, last night, you're right. They played extremely fine. It was it was a tough night for the four TV viewers last night. I'm watching the 76ers play on one channel. Ooh. The Phillies are playing on another channel. You know, the Lady are playing on another channel. And uh, but now I got the got the Islanders as we're doing the show here tonight. And uh, my feeling is uh, the Islanders have to win tonight. I said to Tommy before we won a year. I can't imagine if the Islanders lose tonight going up to Boston for a seventh game and coming away with a win. So I, I think tonight's mm-hmm. a very big game. They're at the Nassau Coliseum. It's a sellout crowd. There are, all the people uh, are allowed to come into the stadium now. And, and uh, so I, I mm-hmm. just think tonight's a very, very big night for Trotz, and I think it's a very big night for the Islanders. I think you're right about yeah, that, Don. Go ahead, Tommy. No, it's just I think he's right about that. But if you're a lightning, Roy, if you're in a lightning situation, who would you rather play? We both we got home ice, home ice advantage for each for the for the next round up there, right? And I I much rather have the honors get this game over with tonight, and we have a couple of days off. Looks like we're 
NHL, NBC would be back in Tampa sometime over the weekend, Saturday or Sunday. So we'll see what happens for this game tonight. And I just, I just hope that, I just hope that the Islanders can prevail, go back to the, go back to the championship years of, in the late '80s, which, in 1980, was a bad memory for me, Don, Roger, and Frank. Bobby Nystrom, offsides, he's in the zone before the puck was in there. And they scored and won the series to start something off. So let's 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 just hope that let's hope that tonight let's go Islanders and, and this Barry Boston tonight. That's it. I can't wait to see that. Then we have the next home game at the Emily Arena. We're not sure what date it'll be. Just look on the Lightning website to see when the date of, of that day is going to be, you guys. And and I said my public announcement. <laughs> Roy, I think well, you hit it on the head a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, I, I I said for quite some time, and they trots is one of the, if not the best coach in the National Hockey League, certainly very close to it. Why Washington let him get away, I have no idea. But even with some of the players that aren't playing like Lee, it's a, I mean, he's got the team playing just superb hockey as well as the Lightning. And it's going to be very interesting uh, tonight because, uh, you know, you just don't go to Boston and, and, and win a seventh game very often. So I think it's going to be very interesting to watch this game tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't argue with it, with you at all, Don. And, uh, you know, to answer your question to Tommy's both, uh, first, you know, I yeah, I think Tampa would probably rather have the Islanders. Um, it, it would be more of a defensive, more of a structure series, I think, more than anything. And when I say structure, it's each team playing their structure. Uh, I think Tampa mm-hmm. would much rather face a team that doesn't have a dominant uh, first and second line. Um, not right. saying that the Islanders can't score, but they, they're not going to score like that perfection line, and uh, usually not. It's certainly against a team like Tampa, which really shuts you down, and uh, against Vasilevsky. So, yeah, and, mm-hmm. and, and as, as much as uh, the Islanders play a defensive style, um, they're not going to beat you up as much. Uh, the Bruins are really, really physical and, uh, and intimidating and irritating. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the Islanders are just so precise in how they play. Um, and Don, I'm with you. I think this. Uh, I think the Islanders. Look, I won't say they have to win tonight. I mean, they they are good enough to go to Boston, but they certainly don't want to. That is a tough assignment to go to Boston uh, with a series on the line. Um, mm-hmm. They just they just take it up another notch. And uh, so you know, I, I think you're right. I think the Islanders have to win tonight. It's a great opportunity for them to win tonight if they want to have some momentum going into. Uh, uh, the series against Tampa, uh, I think they, winning tonight would give them more momentum, I think, than if they won a game seven in Boston. I really do because uh, it would, uh, to me, it would uh, just establish them as the, the better team over Boston. Um, and then we're going to mm-hmm. find out, and this is why I'd kind of like to see a Boston, uh, an Islanders-Tampa line, uh, final here in the conference. I want to see what Barry Trotz has got uh, or what the Islanders can bring uh, after they faced uh, Tampa last year in the same situation and, and just had and yes. had nothing. I mean, they had nothing. Mm-hmm. And um, I think they were just spent physically and mentally. Uh, but you know what? They Let's see how much they've learned from uh, being in the playoffs and going through the battles and stuff. So uh, I think it would be a real intriguing uh, matchup. And tell you what, guys, uh, it could, could lead to another, uh, another mini rivalry if, uh, if they go seven games to Tampa Bay and the Islanders. So, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm pulling for that as well. 
Roger, we'll get you in here. Maybe you want to talk a little about Julio Jones because you and I sent me a couple of texts and so forth, or a couple of emails about it, and uh, a little bit of a surprise, I think. Roger, where he went? Well, a couple of things. Uh, we'll stay with hockey for a minute, and I'll tell you, my feelings are beware of the Islanders. Uh, they have a lot mm-hmm. on their table. It's the end of this the uh, era at Nassau Coliseum. They're going to be in the oh, new arena right. next year. And I think that is a big, big factor in this uh, Stanley Cup playoff. I really do. Because there's a lot of tradition there, as we all know as Flyer fans, uh, of uh, uh, a lot of uh, uh, a lot of tradition, a lot of, uh, of their wins over the Flyers in uh, playoff games. But on the mm-hmm. Julio Jones, I was surprised he went to uh, t- t- uh, Tennessee. Uh, and there's got to be more to it than that, because when I read Arthur Blank's comments. Uh, oh, you know, I remember when this young man first uh, came into the league. I was there watching him. And uh, I'll tell you, I just sense that uh, maybe there's a little bit more uh, behind the scenes in uh, in letting him go or trading him. Uh, and they did get uh, several uh, uh, second-round draft picks over the, spread out over the next three years. Uh, but And the other thing is, Don, you were talking about the Sixers-Hawks game last night. I found it very interesting listening to the WIP morning show and then listening to sports radio in Atlanta uh, later on in the day. It is amazing how you get a different perspective from the two cities that are involved in the playoffs. Right. Very interesting. Well, Atlanta played a great game, Roger, game one, and they played just an awful game uh, last night. I mean, uh, you know, they dropped behind early. They came back, and my personal feeling was, maybe you disagree, a three-point shot with with one-tenth of a second to go at halftime opened it up a little bit after they'd been ahead by 10, 12 points all the way through. And uh, and Atlanta came down, but they they gave up a three-point shot with less than, you know, two ticks on the clock. And it went in, and I said, "That's it. They're done. They're not. Gonna, there's no chance Atlanta's going to win this game." Roy, have you been watching the NBA? I'm not a fan anymore. Neither is Don. <laughs> but you know, when it gets down, and it's like uh, the, the city you're from, it's a little different. Uh, do you watch right. the playoffs at all in the NBA, Roy? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, you know, I, I, I wish I had a better answer for you, but I got to be honest. Uh, no, I, I don't. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm so wrapped up. Oh, we're up in, honest uh, too, Roy. Don't we're all in the yeah. same boat. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm so wrapped up in the NHL playoffs and uh, and uh, and and baseball after that, really. So uh, no, the, yeah. I I I got I, I boy, I hate to say it, but I I really couldn't be bothered by it. I know. Uh, just, Listen, yeah. I'm with you. So is Don. <laughs> And I think Brandon well, it's only during the regular season, Roger. I think the regular yeah. season is, is doesn't really mean anything. You have to get to the playoffs. No. Really, you have to get to this to the second, third round before it really means anything, before they really play for anything. And then uh, with what's happened in Brooklyn with uh, with the three players, uh, three superstars coming together, wow, uh, which is to me uh, an absolute violation of a commissioner of sports to allow something oh, like definitely. that to happen when. You, you know, that's, so I, I think that's all a, a mark against the NBA. And as uh, Charles Barkley said on on the uh, telecast, he, you know, 
the NBA uh, is in real trouble. They they they, uh, they they just don't have the right kind of game right now. So, Roy, I, I agree with you, but I, I do watch the 76ers in the playoffs. Yeah, I, oh, I, believe me, I get it. I mean, I certainly understand, uh, you know, uh, the appeal and everything else. Uh, my brother lives in Memphis, Tennessee. He's a season ticket holder with the Grizzlies, and uh, you know, I follow them a little bit uh, when I can. Um, but, uh, you know, I just, I'm just a little shocked at, 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 you know, and I'm hoping things change. Um, the way ESPN and, and talk, sports talk radio nationally um, gives so much, you know, attention to the NBA right. <clears throat> just amazes me. I mean, it's, it's really, Amen. there's, uh, there's two sports that national sports uh, talk, you know, national talk radio shows pay very little attention to. And that's baseball and hockey. And, uh, you know, right. football is king. And the NBA mm-hmm. is number two. And I'm not quite sure why because, you know, I mean, the ratings are good, but they're not, you know, compared to, you know, other sports. Um, you know, they'll talk, they'll try to talk golf every once in a while. But, I mean, I, I will say this about the NBA guys. They have, they have um, they've mastered the ability to make drama, uh, create drama within their, um, you know, their, their fraternity there. Uh, with every player that's unhappy here and unhappy there and wants to go mm-hmm. here and wants to go there. And I mean, if you listen, if you really listen to all the NBA talk, about 90% of it is about player movement that never happens. Um, yeah. Nobody ever talks about games. Nobody, you know, seldom if ever, you know, you'll hear talk mm-hmm. about Steph Curry being a great player and, you know, is LeBron better than Jordan? You know, that ridiculous old argument, which is so tired. But, um, yeah. you know, once in a while you hear about, you know, Kevin Durant and this, that, and the other, but you never hear anybody talking about a game. You don't hear talk, anybody talking nope. about, nope. you know, uh, you know, uh, players who kind of, you know, fly under the radar for, for teams in Phoenix or Golden State or something, you know, mm-hmm. outlets where, uh, you know, Miami, for example, or something. It's it's a star-driven league, and uh, it's got its fans, and uh, I'm just not I'm just not really one of them. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, Roy, but the problem that. is that the players self-promote themselves. Always, you know, saying, oh, mm-hmm. I deserve to be the MVP. You know, uh, Joel uh, Embiid uh, was saying that. And then uh, Ben Simmons is talking about how great he is, and he's he misses more foul shots than Will Chamberlain ever did, okay, <laughs> who was not a good foul shooter. I, I couldn't believe how bad he is shooting foul shots. And, and Don, yeah. uh, your buddy uh, and our friend, uh, Sonny Hill, he swore that he was going to correct Ben Simmons on his foul shots. It oh, hasn't boy. happened. If Sonny can't do it, nobody can. Well, well I right. told you the other night he went one for 12. Uh, yeah. In the first, uh, yeah. It, it, but I will say this for him. In the final minute and a half of the game, they fouled him intentionally three, which, which I think is a – a ridiculous rule to begin with. I've never agreed with it in basketball. If you're going to go out there and just foul a guy intentionally, it's a it's an intentional foul, and you should get the ball back. That should be the, you should give the guy two shots at the line. I mean, right. uh, but anyway, uh, Simmons. What Simmons did was he made he, he went to the line three times, and he made one fifty percent, one of two, which was which was great for him because he was one for twelve going in. <laughs> But uh, to me, uh, I've always thought that that was a ridiculous rule in sports that you can intentionally foul somebody, but it doesn't mean it's an intentional foul. Right. Mm. I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, one of the problems I have with the NBA guys is that, 
you know, again, it is it really, I mean, it is a, a league where one or two players can absolutely make a difference. And, uh, and I don't have a problem with that. But the problem I have is that those one or two players seem to end up on any one of, you know, on one of any, you know, five or six teams all the time. There are so many teams that just, I mean, you start the season and almost in, inevitably year after year after year, you can eliminate 14 teams right off the bat and say, well, they got no shot at all. They are not going to be involved. <laughs> Even if they get to the playoffs, um, they're not going to be in the running for, you know, the title at the end. And I just think that um, – I think the league is very uh, is very overweight uh, in, in that regard. I think – or maybe it's underweight. Uh, there's just not a lot of parity. Um, you know, anybody can bet anybody at teams, you know, during the regular season, depending on who's taking the night off. And there's an awful lot of that mm-hmm. going on. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, um, you know, if it's, it's – I, I just don't think it's as competitive a league as uh, all the others. I, I just don't I, don't. I don't. Well, I think you're one of the things you right. can look at right now and take last night's game, for instance, uh, you know, if you're, if you're watching the Lightning, uh, and, and the Lightning really did pretty much dominate that game, especially in the offensive zone. I mean, they were – but if you look at the game itself, just the context of the game, how quickly they go up and down the ice, how they make the shed, there's no, there's no stoppage uh, for the most part unless there's a penalty called or uh, it's the end of a, a period. I mean, uh, whereas you turn on basketball and you have 18 replays to see whether – I mean, last night they made replays or things that God could see they weren't right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. And, and so if you watch the two games, you say, well, why would anybody watch basketball? Basketball is a, a stop, stop, pass a game. Hockey, you, right. they're doing something all the time. There's never a stoppage. Yep. Exactly. Only a stoppage is immediate timeout. That's it. Right. You know, very rarely. That's always at the end of the game. Out. Yeah, that's yeah. at the end of the game. They do that, or they pull the goaltender and. and Hope for the best, right. you know. But, but you don't you don't intentionally foul people. I mean, you no. know, <laughs> as I said, I've always thought that was a weakness of basketball, whether it's the pro game, the college game, or whatever. I've always thought that that was one of the things in basketball that really took it away from being a, a legitimate sport. And, yep. uh, and I love college basketball. I loved I loved the NBA when I worked there. But is that's not the same yeah. NBA that I'm watching now. No. That, that's a different game. No, no. no. Back then, I was done. I was class NBA. You know, Gus Johnson, we had Al Greer, Jeff Wilson, and Luke Jackson, and Chet Walker. That was basketball back then. You know, these players, like Oscar Robinson, Jerry Lucas, and then Orwinkle, and then with the Bulls up there, and that they, that was basketball back then, guys. I remember first covering the match, and you go in there, Mike was in town, right? You got to you buy the locker was so tiny and small, you give him say two two comments up there. But that was I loved the game right then, Don. That was Dr. Malone, Patrick Ewing, MJ, Scotty, Pippen. They had the Cleveland guys of Mark Price, Brad Doherty, Larry Nance, Craig Elo. That, those are the names you remember because how great of ballplayers they were and the league was such a great league back then. Well, they built the league, okay? Yeah, you know, Roy, right. I wanted to ask you, uh, you got to be happy about uh, your Cubs, and uh, they're looking pretty good. 
Yeah, uh, you know, they went to San Francisco and had a, had a rough weekend, but uh, they bounced back to a win in two or three against uh, the Padres in San Diego. And, um, you know, a week ago when San Diego came into Chicago, they had the best record in the National League. So Cubs are looking good right now. Um, again, starting pitching not quite as strong. Now, I was kind of wondering, you know, it looks like Max Scherzer is going to go somewhere. Um, there's a lot of talk mm-hmm. about now about him possibly going to the Cardinals, especially with Jack Flaherty. Uh, seemingly, it looks like he's going to be out till at least the All Star break now with that oblique problem. You know, I, I'm starting to wonder if maybe if maybe the Cubs can somehow figure out a way to get Max Scherzer uh, on their team without giving up, you know, too much in return. Uh, you're going to have to give up somebody. I, I mean, I don't know if this is a. I don't think you want to give up Chris Bryant because if you're doing that, you're 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 going for it. Um, but the Cubs are a team that kind of has to make a decision here real soon as to whether, you know, what are they going to do uh, this season? Are they going to go for it, or are they going to, uh, uh, you know, try to sell off some of these stars? And uh, right now I think you got to go for it. You've got a team that uh, the tremendous uh, – the chemistry is tremendous. Uh, they brought in they brought in kids that, you know, most people have never heard of, you know, Rafael Ortega, Sandy Alcantara, Patrick Wisdom. The kid's got eight home runs in ten games. Um, you know, he, it, it's just remarkable what he's been doing. Uh, filling in for for injured players, and uh, so yeah, there's there's something special going on in Chicago right now, and uh, it's uh, it's been fun to watch. If even if you're not a Cubs fan, I think you got to enjoy uh, this team because they're they're playing a good combination of you know small ball. They're very aggressive on the base pass. You know, Don, you were talking about the excitement level of hockey, how it's nonstop. There's some teams in baseball. Baseball's getting getting back to. To running and stealing and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, taking extra bases and uh, forcing throws and things like that and hitting, hitting and running and that kind of stuff. You're seeing a lot with San Diego, a lot with the Cubs. Uh, it's one nothing Islanders, by the way. And uh, Thank God. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you're starting to see some things happen in uh, Major League Baseball that uh, the game's changing just a little bit. Teams getting away from relying on that three-run homer and long at-bats. You're seeing players get a little bit more aggressive. Uh, in terms of uh, what they're capable of doing, you know, just just getting a little more aggressive when they get up there at uh, at the plate. They're just swinging at the first pitch, taking advantage of these pitchers who, you know, are just going to start throwing, you know, strikes right away to get ahead in the count. They're taking advantage of that opportunity, and uh, it's been fun to watch. Well, I think we're on that too, and and they've had you know they've had a few injuries themselves. But the thing maybe that surprised me more about that division is that the Cardinals have not been playing very well. Now, they've had injuries, too, and, and so you've got to count that in. But when they went to that five-game losing streak, I mean, you don't expect the Cardinals to go to a five-game losing streak, especially playing the teams they were playing. So uh, I, I agree with you. The other, my other point would be that in sports today, if you have a chance to win, you've got to go for it because next year it may be a completely different picture. One, one year does not roll mm-hmm. over to the other. Players lose leave everybody else goes somewhere else so if you have a chance to win as you just said Roy you got to buy it you got to go for it yeah it's a great point Don you're right uh and I think teams are starting to figure that out um if you got any shot at all these days you got to take a run at it and um you know you're that's why I think the Cardinals are being talked about as uh, a team you know taking a shot at, at Max Scherzer and it would make sense for them um, the, their weakness, weakness, much like the Cubs, I think right now is starting pitching. Um, if they don't have Flaherty. Uh, if they have to start Carlos Martinez. That, that's a little bit tough for them. 
Um, they've got everything else you want. Uh, I mean, it seems like Yadier Molina is never going to stop playing at a high level. He's been hurt a little bit. He's coming back tonight, so that's big for them. But you know what? Uh, in, a, in a division that's, that's uh, you know, a lot of people didn't think much was going to come from, uh, all of a sudden the Brewers are playing well. They're, what, 13-9, and nine, I think, uh, or better than that. I'm, I'm trying to remember what the record is. But, uh, I mean, they've uh, since, since they got Willie Adamas from Tampa Bay, uh, they've taken mm-hmm. off, and they've got tremendous pitching. And so uh, you could actually see a wild card team come out of the NL Central, and uh, I think that's something nobody expected uh, when the season started. Well, I, I know that we were going to have Billy Wardell on with us a little bit, so we'll uh, talk about the Phillies. But, Roger, we saw a travesty last night at Citizens Bank Park. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, and I'll <laughs> tell you what, I give uh, Eflin uh, a, a lot of credit tonight. The Braves uh, had the bases loaded with nobody out, and he got the uh, three outs. Okay? And, uh, I mean, the, the defense, uh, I love Alec Bohm. But I'll tell you what, uh, he's not a third baseman, and I, I was hoping he would be. And what they're talking about now, if the, the roster stays intact uh, for next year, uh, you know, uh, Hoskins will uh, be the DH, and they'll move uh, Bone to uh, first base. Because their defense on this uh, on this team is just awful. I mean, it is absolutely awful. Yeah, it, it was a minor league operation. I, as they said last night in the postgame show, I mean, I feel sorry for Joe. I mean, I'm a great Joe. <laughs> yeah, you know that. I'm, I, I think he's I a great too. manager. Yeah. I think he's one of the top three best managers in all of baseball, in my mind. That's right. And he, I mean, he's embarrassed every night to come on that postgame show and have to answer questions. Mm-hmm about that team and the way they're playing. I mean, uh, it's, it's a wonder, and as they said on the postgame show, I agree, how he hasn't blown up. I mean, how he hasn't actually, you know, jumped up uh, up and down and screamed at somebody, I don't know. I don't know how he stands there and does it. <laughs> Certainly way better than I am. But uh, well, and, and get, get back to, uh, get back to before we talk more about the Phillies, because we're going to do that later. But Roy, uh, yeah. Uh, how about the other? How about the other divisions in baseball? How do you see? How do you see? Uh, you talk. We talk about the Cubs because you follow them very closely, and and uh, and we all follow. The, you know, I follow the Mets very closely, the Yankees very closely. But what, what do you see on the other side of the National League, other than uh, well, the Cubs uh, right now are in, in pretty good shape. Well, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about how it seems like the NBA is a little bit top-heavy. I mean, one thing you can say about baseball is it's, it's certainly not. I mean, again, you've got teams in every division that are uh, that have a shot right now. That, that I mean, I think every division's got a team that, you know, it's like where did they come from? The San Francisco Giants uh, in the NL West. I mean, you, you expect the Dodgers to be there, the Padres with what they've done and how they've built their team. They're going to be there. They're going to be in the mix. But the Giants have come through with <laughs> – your, your friend Gabe Kapler, guys, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and they're playing exceptional Roy's baseball. favorite. Roy, I mean, Roger's favorite. Roy, he loved yeah, the yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there he goes. They're playing exceptional baseball. <laughs> and then you look at, you know, you go over the American League. And, uh, uh, and by the way, in, in the NL East, that, that, that thing's up for grabs. You know, the Braves did not take control of that division the way everybody thought they would. The, the Phillies, once again, if they can just figure something out here and, and play a little bit smarter and a little bit tighter, um, they, they can they could win that division because it, it's it's not going to happen. No right chance. No, no chance. No, I, I don't Uh-oh. think they will. But but they've got a chance. Well, I say they do have a chance because nobody's everybody's got yet. a chance. You're right, Roy, in that division. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, look, sure. the Nationals aren't taking control. The Mets are probably the, the the best team, but you know, how good are the Mets? You know, if uh, they they still have trouble getting runs across the board, a lot of times. Um, the NL, the AL East is is exceptional. I mean, <laughs> I still think Toronto's the, the best team in that division, uh, and and right now they're on the outside looking in because Boston suddenly improved. You know, the the Yankees are always going to be in it. The Rays are just exceptional. Uh, you know, you want to watch good, good old-fashioned baseball, guys. Just turn on the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, the, they find a way Absolutely. to get it done. And uh, you know, you, you go. The Central is uh, exciting. White Sox are uh, are good. Uh, that one's a little bit up for grabs as well. And then out, out west, uh, got a couple of decent young teams. I mean, they're not ready to win just yet, but uh, sooner or later, Seattle and Texas. Seattle more, you know, sooner than Texas, but they're going to start giving teams like Oakland and. Uh, uh, you know, some of the others out there, Houston, they're going to start giving them a little run for their money. So uh, baseball's in a good place right now, guys. Uh, it's, it's a good season. Uh, it's, it's really anybody's division in every division. Nobody really running away. We've got a couple of teams that have obviously, obviously fallen, uh, you know, uh, along the side of the road here and uh, broken down. But um, there's only a couple, really, and uh, just about everybody else has still got a shot at doing something. Tommy? Hey, Roy, I forgot to, I forgot to ask you, tight is something. Well, the um, American the USA Baseball has their manager. He wants to see who it is, and there's and the manager is a good friend of mine, uh, Mike Sosha accepted that position right there. Oh, he's oh yeah. Oh, go- yeah, that'll be he's good. Supposed uh, to play in the golf yeah, that's Olympics. a good move for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, the Olympics and. Uh, that's a controversy that's still to be decided, and uh, oh. we'll see how it goes. But uh, I'll leave you guys with this. Let's, uh, yeah, good for Mike Sosha. It's a darn good pick, and um, he should right. do fine. Yeah, I mean, hopefully pick. the U.S. does good. And uh, again, let's. Uh, pretty soon we'll be talking about the Olympics, and uh, again, let's let's just hope they have them. Yes, well, Roy, I'll say I, I agree with most of what you said tonight. Although I do have to think, uh, and I, I watch you guess I say I watch the Phillies game, and I say. I don't know whether Roger would agree or not. I think the Braves have the best team. I think they have the best talent. I don't know whether they're going to win the, you know, the division or, or or not, but I think they're really the best team. And uh, the Mets don't score, you're right, uh, but they've got great pitching. It's going to keep them in. Uh, they've done much better over the last two weeks than I ever expect them to do uh, with a lot of backup personnel and so forth. But I still, Roger, are you, you, you like the Braves or no? Yeah, I, I do. And the other thing is, Don, that Freddie Freeman has really not been playing up to uh, his standards. Well, he's hitting 223, and, Roger, 223. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. And if if he gets up and gets going, uh, I think it'll that they'll just uh, they'll take you know take control of the uh, their their own destiny. That's just my I'm not going to disagree opinion. with any, anything you guys just said about the break. A little shaky. Yeah, Billy's not quite ready to come on yet. So a little. A little shaky with the relief pitching, as you saw last night, and the game against the Phillies. And the Phillies don't have a great hitting team, but uh, what they used—I can't remember whether they used four or five pitchers last night, but uh, none of them were really dominant. And uh, it, it, whether they're going to be able to keep enough pitching to uh, to do it, but a talent on the field. The only thing I would say is that they have a right fielder there <laughs> as. Uh, as uh, they said last night at the postgame show, he might be the best player in the, in the well, certainly in the National League, maybe in baseball. But man, he looks like he should be at Barnum and Bailey. <laughs> I mean, 
Did you ever see a costume like he wears out there on a baseball field? I know. <laughs> How about the gold that these guys wear, Don? The gold. Oh, my. Roy, it's a different era. It's a different era. Yeah, You're it, younger than I. It definitely is. And I'll leave you guys with this. Uh, what you said about the Braves, is, uh, I totally agree. They're, they're, they're by far the best team. Um, but uh, more likely than you know, then they're 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 probably going to win that division. Uh, could be the Mets. Uh, I don't think Washington will catch up, but uh, it should be the Braves. They just haven't taken control just yet. Um, some injuries have really hurt them, and obviously, as you guys said, Freddie Freeman not hitting like Freddie Freeman. But my guess is he will soon enough, and that'll probably turn the tide. Yeah, I think Washington's going to become a seller pretty quickly. Uh, you know, they yeah, got, I as you mentioned, a couple of pitchers that. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're looking for a pitcher, you, you might just want to go to Washington and make your best move right there. To, to uh, if you're if you're in the business of trying to clinch a uh, a spot in the playoffs, then certainly uh, to go as far as you can, because uh, I don't think Washington's right. going to do anything as the year goes on. Myself. Well, guys, thanks as always for having me. I appreciate it. it was, uh, Have a great week, always, Roy. And, uh, Thank you. Always. Same to you guys. Always great talking to you. Thank you. Enjoy the playoffs. Thanks, Roy. You too. Right, go both. Go again, Roy. We'll do it again next week, and uh, we'll see how the the baseball cubbies are moving along toward your <laughs> pennant drive. He's gone. Well, Roger, you and I, as I said, we didn't want to talk too much about the Phillies because Phillies are going to join us. Yeah, he must feel tied up at the moment. That we haven't been able to get a hold of. But uh, again, as I said last night, I, I mean, you and I have seen a lot of baseball. Tommy's seen a lot of baseball. I know Tommy didn't have a chance to see the game because. Uh, you know, it was on NBC Sports Philadelphia here and, and not across the country, but, oh, my God. I mean, uh, it was like a Little League game. A Little League game. Don, oh, no. You're exactly right. And I'll tell you, uh, the uh, watching the uh, Phillies Braves, Austin Riley, who I have, I really think is going to be a great player. Oh, great he's going to be an outstanding player. Oh, he's tremendous. But yet he was just like Bohm. Bohm's going to be an outstanding player. And he, and he, they both threw the ball and uh, you know over uh, the first baseman's head. This time, and both of them are tall. Thank God, one of them uh, he had saved it. Uh, you know, uh, Reese did, uh, even though the runner got on because it was such a high uh, throw. And this one was way over Freddie's head. So, you know, it, it, I just get really down about this defense on these teams. You're right. It's like Little League. It really is. Well, I haven't I haven't put the baseball game on yet. I've been watching the Islanders game because of the importance of, uh, of the game in the playoffs as opposed to a regular season game. But uh, when they go to the between periods, I'll go back and get the Phillies. But, I mean, you're, I mean you, you, saw, you saw a play last night in the Philly game. It was a little – a little bouncer, two bounces back to the pitcher, the double play situation, and he throws it over the second baseman's head by what would you say, twenty feet, Roger? Oh, way oh over. my god! Absolutely, out in the center field. Absolutely, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing you have on there. That tied it up and got the things going where the Braves got the five runs, you know, and then mm. to take control, winning at nine to four, nine to five, I should say. But, uh, you know, and then to have last night, they I think they only had 13,000 and change at the game, which Philly will, I'm sure, can, uh, you know, confirm. And that's the smallest 
crowd in uh, Citizens Bank Park history, I believe. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about that because I had not seen anything in the, uh, in the newspapers the last few days that they had opened up Citizens Bank Park to, uh, you know, whatever number of people they want to uh, allow in. And you're right. They made the point last day of saying this was the smallest crowd ever. But uh, I, I, when did they open it up? When were they uh, they're advertising they, selling I, tickets? I, I think it was June 1st they opened it up. So if you go back before that, where it was controlled, this is, would be the smallest attendance uh, when uh, when there is a full uh, an opportunity for a full house. Okay, and they well, were going it, it back. Like, to, it looked like nobody was there. You got the Braves in town, an outstanding team, and as you just said, Riley, what a player! I mean, they, the, the Braves have four or five really outstanding everyday players. Absolutely. A lot of teams don't have. And you, yeah. there was nobody there. I couldn't believe it. It yeah. was, it was like. But they were packed at the at the Braves ballpark over the weekend. I mean, because they've been able to have full capacity, and and they are really growing. And we can remember a number of years ago, they said, "Oh, it's not a really great sports town, good baseball town." Well. You know, it, it's changed, and of course, then when you see what college football does at uh, Tech, and also at Georgia, and now you got Kennesaw State and Georgia State, and uh, I mean, uh, college football rules. I mean, you, and you also have uh, some mm-hmm. smaller schools, you know, in the area. By the way, I Roger, just, you got a coaching change at Georgia after what, twelve, fourteen years, something like that. Where at, in football? Yeah. Uh, what, what Kirby Smart is gone at Georgia? I I thought they made yeah I thought they made a change at the uh, uh, the head coach at Georgia. Maybe I'm incorrect, but I thought they did. Oh, I, I didn't know that, and I hadn't heard that, and I you know I would have thought that that would be a uh, a big item because uh, he's yeah. very well regarded. Uh, and right. I remember when he came in, he was like the uh, recruiter. And I think the offense. I think he was the recruiter, offensive coordinator at. Uh, Has he been there twelve uh, years, Alabama. thirteen years? Has he been there twelve or well, thirteen years? No, I think he's only been there uh, about uh, seven, six, seven, well, something maybe, like maybe, that. Maybe I'm incorrect. Yeah, maybe I'm incorrect. I I I just saw because, it one day this week, and I thought that's who it was, but I may be wrong. Well, okay, you know, hey, listen, anything's possible today, okay? I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, here today, uh, gone tomorrow, and uh, and what have you done for me, uh, you know, today, okay? Yeah, uh, right, right. I, I, I think it's going to be interesting, getting back to the Julio Jones uh, situation, uh, the, uh, the, with those graph picks that uh, Tennessee gave up, they must feel that they uh, are now uh, ready to take charge in their division. And I heard that today that's what the consensus is. This is maybe the Hold missing link. Hold on a second. Link. Tie score now. Islanders and Boston oh, just scored. Geez. The Bruins just scored right. to make it 1-1. Oh, Go ahead. Okay. That son of a gun. Did, you One know shot scored. Did you see the picture of, uh, of uh, the Coliseum? Uh, it, it looks like a, mm. uh, a space a, 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 a space uh, station or something, you right. know. And I I had seen it in person a number of times over there, but I never really paid that much attention to it because 
in the old days, it was a real dump. You know, I mean, you know, so they did some uh, cosmetic, but now they're going to have a, a brand new uh, facility. I think, Don, is is it over by uh, City it's Park? It's at Belmont Park. It's at the racetrack. Oh, that's where it is, Belmont Park, yeah. And hence, yeah, Belmont so it's Park, not yeah. Far, yeah, it's not far from uh, the uh, Coliseum then, because that's in No, what, what, it, what it was well, was there was, a, there was a, a massive – uh, storage cars for vehicles. In other words, uh, dealerships in the area, uh, I got it, whether they rented space or what they did, but they uh, they put all their all their excess cars in this particular area. So uh, they, they really didn't have any problem. The city was in a position where they could make a move and not have to move anybody out or anything, but just uh, make the land available. And you're right. It, it uh, looks a little bit... Uh, Maybe a little bit in the pictures I see. Now, I haven't seen it in person, but it looks a little bit like uh, what they have in Minnesota, doesn't it? Yeah, I think you're the right. Gla- That's exactly the glass right. front, yeah. no? Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, I, I think that uh, the uh, uh, the ball the ballpark in, in or the uh, stadium in Brooklyn, I think is uh, has a lot of glass to it, and, and but you're right, Minnesota especially, uh, it really uh, stands out. Tommy, when you're talking about Cleveland, maybe remember right. the Richfield Coliseum out in the middle oh, of nowhere. Don's been there to broadcast some games. Oh, oh I've been terrible! There as a fan. Well, let's put it this way, Roger. <laughs> if you're coming from Lorraine or Illyria, you guys see what's going on down in Richfield. Because that's a snow, snow belt down there. So he, he kept on looking around. Okay. Time you leave, it's like 6 o'clock for a game. And it's like, it was like 35, clear. So you have to t- take a chance on that. But a lot of bad crowds in Richfield under Ted Steppi and Don. You remember those days. The, oh, the do I ever. Called Flies. Well, Tommy, you, you know better than I, uh, you know, that they built between, between the two cities thinking they were going to draw right. much better. Because they could draw between, for uh, you know, both sides of the arena, but it never worked. Right. Of course, you never really had a no. team that was going to, no. uh, you know, really attract anybody. But it was in the middle of nowhere, right between two right. cities, between Dayton and Cleveland. Well, you know how that was built there. Because Nick Bolletti wanted to build it where the old Cleveland arena is at downtown Cleveland, and George Forbes City Councilman says, "Well, you have to use my money." And Nick Willey said, bye-bye, the Richfield, here I come. So, so there was constant <laughs> bickering about where you put this, constant bickering in the city council. George Forbes led that charge. Nick Willey had the money for his own arena without using the city. And that could, like, years later, look what the city has done. They built the, um, the Gund Arena, and they, built, and they built, the, built the field for the Indians. You know, like it's a great, great, great place up there. And Don, two blocks down, it's a casino. So the, he's, the game's too stuck, he goes to the casino. <laughs> well, I, I well, think if I'm not, if I'm not uh, incorrect here, Roger would maybe know better than I, but the Gun Brothers were, were I think one of them is, was a part, I don't know if he still is, a part over the Phillies. And the, one of them Ooh, was in person. He's a sightless, he I believe, the, what, the one brother. You're right. I don't, know if he still, exactly. I don't know if he still lives there or not. But they uh, got wow. sold a bill of goods. They got sold a bill of goods to put that stadium out there in Richfield. And, uh, yeah. it, it's, and, it's a politics in Cleveland, Don. I mean, they were – Nick Lee said, okay, 
you're not going to go up against me in the city council. So I'm taking my men go to state, build the arena down down there. But it, it should have been built downtown Cleveland to begin with up there. But it's just all the all the great. Well, you got to remember, Tommy. Is you lived there. You lived there a great number of years. I mean, you had right. lousy facilities. I mean. <laughs> When, when you oh, play baseball there at municipal, at municipal Stadium was the worst ballpark oh, yeah. in, in, in baseball. You went to play the Cleveland Cavaliers, you had to play in the arena. I mean, uh, they had the, and the right. baseball stadium. They, uh, so when they finally started to make the transition, they lost, obviously, right. they lost the Cleveland Browns during that happening, too. So they went through a 10-year exactly. period where they were it's a turmoil out there. It still is turmoil out there. Well, Don, you're, you're exactly right about uh, Mr. Gunn. He, he lived in Princeton. He was uh, didn't have a site, and uh, right. he used to go to the oh, same barber shop when on uh, Rialto, uh, where uh, Rich and uh, Ed uh, had on Nassau Street. And because the and I didn't know this until they told me because he was in there several times when I'd be there. You know, and and I'd see him, but I didn't know who he was until uh, I think it was. Uh, well, I know one of them told me that that's who it was. He owns the Cleveland uh, Cavaliers, and uh, you know, the, 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 it was funny. I I was talking about that. I was talking to Dan Baker about this about Al Camerlin, uh, who Don I know you remember at Princeton, and uh, he was was on that state championship team at Haverford High School when I was in ninth grade. And he was a senior, and I was just communicating with him about a month, two months ago. And, uh, uh, you know, he still lives uh, up in uh, uh, Plainsboro, and he lived in Princeton for an, a number of years. And right. uh, late at Princeton, obviously, and, uh, you know, he was, was telling me about that, that he was good friends with Herb Hobler, who, of course, you knew that owned Nassau Broadcasting and uh mm-hmm. owned the, the stations for years and johnny morris you know was was uh, uh the uh, part owner and uh i uh, was always uh, just uh i had more fun uh, th- one night i'll never forget this i went with a group of uh, uh clients and uh, johnny had rented a you know one of these small buses and we went in and johnny always wanted to because he was uh, a big dodgers fan growing growing up he wanted to meet Vin Scully. So right. I took him up to the press box and introduced him to Vin. And Bill Campbell said to me, what's he doing here? Because I guess Bill had oh. had a run-in with Johnny. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, he wants to meet Vin Scully. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Johnny was good to me, I'll tell you what. And I missed him, and his wife died, and uh, and I kept in touch with him when he had the dementia call. And, uh, you know, and his daughter would then put him on. And uh, we had some uh, some really good good times. And uh, uh, he let me do some things and with David Brody that uh, uh, today it, it's pretty, uh, uh, pretty normal. But back in the uh, uh, late 80s, uh, you know, early 90s to do Super Bowl preview shows, as you know, uh, when Bob Gelb said that, that we were one of three teams, one of three stations at the 88 uh, Super Bowl uh, week. That was it. That was Radio Row, three stations, and that's 1988, what? hard to believe. 
Well, well, the one thing about uh, the one thing about him too, Roger, which you can point out better than I, he was very, very cognizant of uh, uh, local broadcasting. I mean, he got he oh. had Princeton University. I mean, he did things in the Princeton area to uh, embellish himself to to that market, and that's what a lot Absolutely. of owners don't do. They don't, you know, they want to take national stuff or this or that, and they they, they completely forget about the, where they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate, and that's exactly the way it is today. You're exactly right, and uh, there are still stations out there that are doing uh, local, and uh, it's it's just good to uh, to hear that. I mean, I know there's one up in Gainesville; they're still pretty much local, some national, but uh, uh, you know, and and I, I mean, even some of the big uh, for Odyssey. Uh, stations they they go to the CBS uh, Sports Network and I will give WIP a lot of credit uh, with Odyssey they're still doing uh, you know lo- local shows overnight and everything so uh, you know that's it's good it's really good this, and Merle at BCB Merle Merle does a lot of local you worked with it for a lot of years yeah they're still doing it and it's it's great uh, Tommy when you mentioned USA ba- uh, baseball Luke Williams is starting for the mm. Phillies tonight. He's on that USA team. If, oh, if okay. he If he wants to be, and, you know, if they do have it in the Olympics, he was on it and he was with the team, and then he came back, and then the Phillies uh, pulled him up from uh, – he was doing really well, and he did very well with USA basketball, and he just mm-hmm. got a double. You know, he got a, a, uh, a hit last right. night, or he scored a run last night. I think he got a walk. But uh, – mm-hmm. The, when you brought that up, and I think that's great for Socia that uh, he's going to be the manager of USA Basketball. Well, Todd Frazier, uh, he, he's be... working out with that team, too. They uh, played with the Yankees for a while, played with the Mets. Uh, you know, and from he's from uh, Jersey, obviously. I've, you know, he came yeah. from those uh, great uh, uh, American Legion teams over in New Jersey. And uh, so uh, he, he uh, I guess he decided to continue playing and he, he's uh, working out with the USA team, so I don't know if he's gonna he's gonna do it or whether somebody will pick him up if uh, have an injury or something. But we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. He, he is in the group that's working out with him. Well, how about hey, I guess scenario, that right? Philly isn't going to be with us tonight. So Frank. far, if, if we have not we have not had an opportunity to get in contact with him. Frank just uh, notified me a minute or so ago that. Uh, uh, I don't know where uh, where uh, Billy is at the moment, but uh, we have been able to get him on. So we're just going to keep going until uh, our next okay, shot comes up. Thinking, and... Yeah, because I the uh, I try to get a hold of TL if uh, if if uh, we need need him and see if he's at home tonight. Well, Ira's Ooh. supposed to be on with us too, so we can always extend Ira. You know, Ira, Ira's always a, yeah, Ira, 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 Ira canceled. Oh, he oh, Ira's out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So here we are, fellas. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'll, let me see if I can get a hold of uh, Tom Lemain and see uh, get his perspective on the hockey too. Bear with me. Oh yeah, that's what up there. Uh, you know, but uh, wouldn't this be a good scenario for Mike if um, Albert Pujols comes back to play baseball for Mike and also. The, the star player for the Angels come back to play baseball for Mike. I mean, Mike and, and Mike and that player were tight because I had lunch with him one day. He invited me for lunch, and, and Mike Trout's just a great, great individual person. We 
We didn't, all these people well, want autographs and that. He's part of that South Jersey group too uh, that we were talking about. Oh, with yeah. and, you know, he right. uh, he was on the on the championship teams down there, and and uh, uh, but gentlemen, I'll tell you, I it's, have uh, Tom Lemain on with us to give us uh, his oh, perspective hi, of the NHL playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs, and the Phillies. Tom, as always, oh. great talking to you. And uh, yes, take it away. Do you mind if I spend most of my conversation on the NHL? No, go ahead. <laughs> yes, because, thank yeah, you. There's not a whole lot. Thank you, Tom. There's not a whole lot I can say about Major League Baseball. <laughs> uh, so, oh, no. Well, I know uh, before the playoffs started, I know I raised a lot of eyebrows when I picked the Islanders. Um, you know, I, if you just reflect on what they did uh, last year in the bubble, you know, they came really close. Um, I am – Big fan of Barry Trotz. I think he should have won the Adams uh, last year. He uh, he he, mm-hmm. he took the um, he took the Washington Capitals man, you know, with the same talent they had for years and couldn't make the championship, and he got them there. And uh, you know the way they dissed him off and they lowballed him for a contract down in Washington. Well, they lost the Islanders game, and uh, I right. you know the way the Islanders the way the Islanders are playing, I mean, I, I, I'm looking pretty good. I think, uh, you know, they're pl- probably playing the best team, Boston, right now, at least in the uh, mm. in the East here. But um, I just, uh, you know, Barry Trotz, uh, the, you know, they pick up Travis Sajak, and that's because Lamorello, who's the GM now of the Islanders, he always liked him when, when he was GM with the Devils. And Sajak spent mm-hmm. most of his career with the Devils. And uh, he has a goal that's tonight, right. uh, the only goal for the Islanders. And, uh you know, and they're missing their captain. Uh, you know, and and the rest of the guys have picked it up. I, I just love the Islanders. I really like the way they're playing. They're very uh, fundamentally sound. They lead the NHL playoffs in hits. And uh, mm-hmm. Barlamov is a pretty good goaltender. Is there anything? Did I leave anything out? <laughs> well, the other thing I no, think, Tommy, and I agree with you. I agree with you 100. percent But I think the other thing you left out, he kept the team together. He said that this is one of the biggest advantages he feels going into this season and into the playoffs is the fact that he pretty much kept the team together that he had last year. He lost a couple of players because of injury. But other than that, he's got the same unit working all lines that he had last year. And and I have to agree with him. I think he was one of the few coaches that's ever been able to keep, in this last era that we're in, able to keep a team together. Well, they did pick up a couple other guys, Don, uh, Palmieri and uh, number 44, uh, you know, Peugeot. And, you know, those three guys, you know, when you think about it, they've been very, very important in these playoffs. So you're right. right. He's kept the lines together, but he's, he, in addition to keeping the lines together, Don, he's had to fit these three guys in, Peugeot and, and Sajak and Palmieri. I mean, <laughs> pretty, pretty good guys to fit into your lineup, I think. Well, the smartest general manager in the National Hockey League is uh, running that club. Uh, he did it in New Jersey, he did it in Toronto, and now he's doing it on the island where they have been able to win in, what, 18, 19 years. Yep, and I'm sure, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure all of you guys had the Canadians doing what they're doing, right? Everybody had them uh, piping out everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Montreal's yeah. playing great because we got just <laughs> yeah. I mean, Price is playing great right now. They toss they toss away the Toronto Maple Leafs. They four zero the win. I mean, I, I, nobody saw that coming. And 
you know, I, uh, you know, especially with Toronto, uh, one of the New York sports writers made a good analogy a couple of days ago. He said the Toronto Maple Leafs are the New York Yankees of the National Hockey League. That is an excellent, an excellent analogy. Yeah. And uh, too bad. I mean, it's uh, – it's Quebecois instead of Toronto that's uh, moving on here. <laughs> that's right. What, what time, it be, hey, Tom, question for you. Wouldn't it be a great matchup for the hockey traditionalists? Montreal versus Tampa Bay, the old team with all the cups and a new, new team on the rise for the Stanley Cup bombs. That would be a great series to watch. Just thinking ahead. Well, yeah, you got to wonder, you know, if – you're right. I, I would like to see that. You got to wonder when the if the Montreal bubble is going to burst. But uh, you know, I mean, if, if they do face, you know, I mean, uh, the, the Tampa Bay is at the top of its game right now, so I uh, oh. I can't deny them anything at the moment. But um, uh, the Golden Knights, I mean, they hey, they may take out the Avalanche, and uh, right, I think. If this, I think they're going to allow them to travel to Canada, right? That would be, uh, I think, that's yes, the first time that, that they're going to allow the uh, the NHL to cross the border to play games. So, um, that you're right. I, uh, <laughs> I'm sure that nobody had that lineup for the finals. <laughs> Tampa Bay. Maybe everybody had Tampa Bay, but I don't think anybody had Montreal. I think the time Tommy, the you and I worked the NBA a lot of years, and uh, I was a great NBA fan. I, I, I loved the game. I loved the, the uh, whole atmosphere of being around the 76ers in the league. Uh, I, I have a very tough time watching it today. But, uh, you know, you and I were there for the early days, some of the great teams, some of the worst teams in the history of the NBA. But uh, right now, uh, saw the 76er game last night. Did you uh, see it or not? Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I saw it. Um, I, you know, you're right, Don. I mean, if there's one guy that went from the penthouse to the outhouse, it's me. I mean, I broadcast every one of those 73 losses back. That's what I brought that up, Tom. I didn't want to say you were a star, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, 73 no, no, is no, pretty no, good. I uh, I wear that as a badge of honor. I mean, uh, I I hold the record. There's nobody living. There's nobody living today that has broadcast more National Basketball Association losses than me. However, <laughs> however, ten day, ten years later, ten years later, I am also broadcasting a four-game sweep of the Los Angeles Lakers, and I, and I'm talking about the good LA Lakers with Kareem and Magic and and, right. and the Sixers right. swept them in four right. games. I mean, I'll tell you what, taking Game Four. In Los Angeles, uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. I mean, I just, you know, because L.A., you know, first of all, all L.A. likes winners, and they, they were <laughs> everybody loved the Sixers in L.A. that night. And uh, mm-hmm. Billy Cunningham and I. Tommy, that was, was a, that was a full, full, full series. I don't know how the hell Milwaukee won one of those games, but that made it five. And four five zero, and uh, it was. You're right, Don. I, it's, uh, but you're looking back there, Don. You're comparing apples and oranges because, uh, uh, to me, uh, once you put the three point play into play, it just changed the whole game of basketball. And to me, I mean, a lot of people say, "Oh, it's great." No, I, I do not like the three point shot. It's uh, it has really changed the game of basketball 
especially the fundamentals of the game for the worse. And uh, I, um, as good as the 24-second clock is, that's how bad the three-point shot is in my estimation. Cobb, I'll say I've said this several times on the show over the years, that uh, one of the greatest individual by an average height performer I ever saw a ball player was uh, when I was living in Columbia, South Carolina, and it was Carolina, South Carolina versus Indiana. Frank McGuire was the coach, and Kevin Joyce uh, had 41 points for the Gamecocks, and that was before the three-point shot. And if he had, uh, he would have had over 50 points because they were three-point shots today that he made. And I asked Bobby Crimmins about it one time at the uh, Final Four uh, up in uh, the Meadowlands, and he was sitting a couple rows behind me. And I asked him, I said, did you feel that was one of the greatest performances you ever saw? And he was there as an assistant coach, and he agreed. And I agree with you. The three-point shot changed everything, and, and that was one that I always remember. 41 points from like a guy that was like 6'4", and a lot of those were today would have been three-point shots. Well, you know, uh, I, I compare him to Luka Doncic. Uh, I mean, on, on the other way around. I mean, he's uh, you know, look, look, for a big guy. Look what he does. Um, in, in a different way, you look what Joel Embiid does. However, Doncic has found a way to stay healthy, and that's the, that. That is the Achilles. Not, no pun intended here. That is the Achilles heel of uh, Joel Embiid. I mean, there's no way. A 275-pound guy should run around like he does and put all that weight when he comes crashing down, all 275 pounds, onto those knees. I mean, uh, look at – I just watched – I mean, I, I, I totally agree that MVP should have gone to Dodge. I mean, I have, no, I, I have no problem with the MVP this year, none whatsoever, because he did a lot. I mean, look at his triple doubles, how he took a team that really didn't have too much support around him as much as they, as they thought they could. And, you know, the bottom line with Joel Embiid is, hey, man, you stay healthy. You are the best player when you're playing. But when you're not playing, you're not doing anybody any good. And he just missed too many games. But, uh, you know, to me, the MVP this year, you know, when you're talking about comparing, you know, the 6'4 player, what he does as a 6'4 player, look what Doncic does as a, as a guy that big, uh, you know, <laughs> just looking at it on the surface, it's no way a guy like that can do that, but he does. But he does. You're right. Well, it, it, the, the best the best college performance I ever saw was at the Blessed. What what well, I came the while you fellows were talking, I was trying to. His name came down from the from Niagara. Well, uh, finally wound up playing. You were used to in the NBA. Uh, what was Calvin it? Five Murphy. six five. Pardon. That's Calvin Murphy, right? Yeah. Yeah, Calvin Murphy. That's it. Calvin, Calvin Murphy. Murphy yeah. yeah, I think he still. Holds, I think he still holds the record at the at the Palestra for number of points scored in a regular game. I, I may be incorrect, but I think he he holds Calvin Murphy. I think holds the record. And we're going back to the he NBA, Tommy, for a minute. Uh, the game is the game is scarred. I, we talked about it in the first uh, half hour of the show. I, I think they got to make a change. I, I think they've got to take it. You talk about the three point line. Uh, we talked to, to uh, uh, Howard Eskett about this a few weeks ago. They got to move that three three uh, point line back back. Uh, they can't do much in the corners. They can certainly do it around the perimeter. 
move it back another foot and a half or so, and that'll uh, they're only shooting at 37% now. So it's not going to be a factor if you move it back. They're not going to shoot at 37% there. Or you got to move the bat. You got to put the basket up. You got to you have to do something to make uh, the game and, uh, more of a game. That, let's not go crazy with moving the basket up. It was a radical move when they when they made the, uh, the foul lane wider because of the Wilt Chamberlain rule. I mean, let that let alone. That's right. They didn't made it for that reason no, because it ruled the game. Just if you if you if you just eliminate the if you never had the three point play you wouldn't have to worry about making it twenty five twenty eight thirty thirty three feet um, I just I just don't like it period I mean it just uh, it takes away from the uh, what what the basic uh, fundamentals of basketball are I mean everybody wants I mean I mean a team takes seventy three pointers and makes forty how exciting is that I mean. I, I just, you know, and I don't think the fans. I don't think the fans like it either, Don. I mean, you can move it back. I just don't think it's. Uh, they should revisit that whole thing. Well, I and, think uh, I think Tommy and maybe you'd comment on this. I think one of the reasons they first brought it in, uh, you know, to me the weakness of basketball. Period. But no matter what division, what high school, college, junior, I don't care what it is. Uh, the biggest, the biggest fault in my view in in all of basketball is the intentional foul. You get down to the last couple of minutes of a game, and you start intentionally fouling people, but they don't call it an intentional foul. They just call it, oh, he was reaching for the back. He'll push them in the back, knocks them down, but he's, uh, he's, oh, he's really playing for the ball. Well, they, they thought they were going to eliminate it. They thought they were going to eliminate a lot of that by putting the three-point shot in because then you'd have a chance to score six points in, in you know, 30 or 40 seconds and right. get back into a game, and it would eliminate some of this automatic fouling. But it didn't work. Well, what they called uh, the other, what they called recently the hack of Ben. <laughs> I mean, they were, they were intentionally intentionally fouling Ben Simmons. Uh, you're right. right, Don. I mean, there's there's some. You're right. That's a move I can understand, without right. you know really radically changing the game, uh, and that would uh, maybe that would cut down the last two minutes of of basketball, which take 45 minutes to play, and I think that might be a big <laughs> you know. Um, uh, that might, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go along with that, Don. I, I do agree. I mean, that would certainly deter, or certainly make them think twice about intentionally fouling in those, uh, in that particular point of the game. Well, they say it, it, it to me. It's, it's, it's an obvious situation because, I mean, they, they have it because they want to give the team that's behind a chance to do something to come back and score. But to me, an intentional foul is an intentional foul. I don't care whether you're in grade school. Or whether you're in the pros, and uh, and if they well, called it an intentional foul and they gave the ball back to the team, you know they not only gave them the foul shots, but then they gave them the ball back. Then it would eliminate that, but they don't want that. They don't. They don't want the. Yeah. Well, Mike Zimzak is all set I mean, to come up. Tommy, thank you for jumping in with us so quickly and, and filling in for Billy Wardell. Well, getting back to what I said about the seventy-five percent, uh, to tell you what I mean here, I got two games on here, right? I have the hockey game on the big screen, and I have the baseball on my iPad. Does that tell you? Where I got the same thing. I got the same thing. And last night, last night I had the I had the Lightning on one channel, the Sixers on another channel, the Yankees on another channel, <laughs> and the Phillies on the fourth. I had four games on at the same time last night, but uh, and, and earlier in the evening had a chance to see uh, the Rays play as well. So five games, but only four of them on at the same time. Wow, that's fantastic. Watching, watching the Yankees. 
Well, the Yankees finally won a game last night. Finally scored a couple of runs. They got eight runs last night. I don't think they're going to do it again. Minnesota is just awful. They're a terrible team, too. But we'll get into that another night. Tommy, thank you very, very much. Mike, you're Take part care, of that Tom, terrible team. Always great <laughs> thank you. to you. Mike, you're, you're you part of that terrible co- combination in Washington, D.C. They can't win anything either. Uh, yeah. I mean, at some point in time, you guys want to tell me to stop coming on because there's nothing much to talk about. Positive. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what do you expect? Nothing good comes out of Washington, D.C. Yeah? <laughs> oh, don't say that. You do, Mike. You do. Yeah, you but do, I'm from Mike. Philly. Well, the Bills so, are so, uh, mm-hmm. It's been a rough go for um, – it's definitely been a rough one for, for the, uh, the Nationals. They can't get consistent pitching beyond uh, Max Scherzer. The bullpen has just been – Horrendous. <laughs> and the only thing that's saving them even remotely right now is being, you know, even worse than the eight games under 500 that they are is that they play pretty decent defense. But that's not going to be able to carry. Uh, I don't know that they even have the pieces in the minor leagues. It's not a particularly strong minor league system after they promoted um, the, the – the likes of Robles and a couple of other guys up, or Robles and Soto. So it's really tough to see where they might get even the um, the players, the prospects to trade to make any sort of moves. So I think it could be a really long summer for the Nationals. Well, Mike, how about Sercer? I mean, so there's going to be a lot of interest in him. You get you get you get a pretty good group of prospects if you uh, move him. We talked about it in the first half hour going to the Cubs. Going, you know, there are a lot of the Yankees would certainly love to have him, but I don't know if they have any to trade for him. But uh, how about him? Do you think he's going to move? I think that they really seriously need to consider it with him going into uh, free agency as well as he's um, pitching right now. The fact that he still has a relatively manageable contract for somebody at his production level. If they get to 10, 12, 14 games below 500 as we get closer to the deadline, I really think that they need to consider it. I just question whether or not the team is willing to admit defeats in such a public manner. Hmm. Roger? Yeah, well, that's a good point, Mike. You know, that, that's what they have to consider because just a couple of years ago, they were uh, – Champs, right? So, uh, you know, how fast things turn around. Well, remember that they, they – we've seen them do this before uh, as far as the, the um, going back and forth on trading, and that was why they ended up eventually letting Bryce Harper walk for free rather than try and trade right. him before the deadline. Um, you know, that the nature of being that one foot in, one foot out, and thinking, oh, you know, because there's a second wild card – we can maybe make a run at it, but you're right. You know, they are you know, not even a full two seasons from being the defending uh, World Series champions. Um, but that's starting to look more like it was just a confluence of events that saw the bullpen get really good 
Davey get on a tear, their hitters hit, and, you know, um, Stephen Strasburg play uh, a full healthy season. And don't forget that they also had Anthony Rendon on the replaced, replaced Rendon. Um, Scherzer's back on the shelf, and the bullpen is back, you know, doing what it did at the first half of that season. And, you know, the results are that they're eight games below 500. But, Mike, let me ask you this. How can you give Strasburg that kind of money? I mean, I know they they did want to sign both their third baseman and the pitcher, but, I mean, what's he been in the league now? Eight years, and he's had maybe, maybe two healthy years. And, and you get – I mean, he's a breakdown wonder. How can you sign him to that kind of a contract and uh, at the expense of your club at other positions? I, I think that that's what the one thing that they have consistently shown that they are willing to offer long-term top-dollar contracts for is pitching. And Mike Rizzo operates under the assumption that starting pitching is the most valuable thing in Major League Baseball. And when you have quality, what you believe to be quality front-line pitching, you pay for it, right? So they've made a calculated decision to keep uh, Strasburg because they felt like he was the more important piece, the pitcher, than and they saw the value in the front line pitching rather than try and keep Rendon. And they never adequately replaced him. I think they thought maybe the young man Carter Keboom could step up and um, fill that role, but he clearly hasn't. They were expecting a lot more production. And how you can expect more production from Juan Soto, I don't know. He's one of the best young hitters in baseball. Maybe they wanted something more from um, from uh, Victor Robles. Definitely, I think, hoping that Adam Eaton would be more consistent with the bat. He's not even on the team right now. Um, that offense... Mike, let me interrupt just for a second, Mike, to say uh, Boston gave up the puck at their own defensive end, and uh, the Islanders just went and scored. It's 2-1 to one in favor of the Islanders with uh, 14 minutes, 27 seconds to go. In the second period. Go ahead, Mike. Thanks, John. No, I was just saying they have, haven't replaced that offense, and until they figure something out, and that something may be trading, um, may be trading uh, Scherzer. I think that they've really got to sit down right now and consider that as we get into July. Roger? Well, Mike, do you, do you think that uh, they could get some players that – uh, they could put on the the team right away. You know, there's also, you know, some other teams that uh, there's uh, we've heard that are considering unloading some of their uh, big uh, money players. There's uh, somebody that would take them. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, if Harper uh, got traded uh, to a, uh, a contending team, and the Phillies may have to pick up some of his salary. I think that's a possibility if the Phillies continue to be the way they are. They need players. They need uh, uh, younger players that uh, can contribute in a relatively near future. I think trading um, Harper, just the sheer length and value of that contract, what is he? He's in year three of a 13-year deal. Um, right. I think that that might make it a little bit prohibitive to try and get out from under that. I mean, I would hate to think that, you know, just the length that the Phillies would need to be contributing 
after paying out for the next 10 years of a deal. Um, I imagine that if they were to trade um, a Scherzer, that the Nationals would be looking at some combination of uh, young players and prospects. Uh, I guess the question would be, like, if you trade him for – if you swapped him for Harper, theoretically, which they wouldn't do, like what, 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 are you, what problem are you solving right there? You know, there's still – they need more pieces to contend than just one. So I, I think it would be some sort of um, combination of potential major league-ready players right now, maybe some um, bullpen arms and definitely some, um, some highly-rated prospects. Tommy? Yes, Mike, how are you doing today? I'm so glad the Islanders scored that goal in Napa. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, right, Tommy? Right. <laughs> but, you know, what's going on with the Capitals right now? It's just uh, this the all typical offseason right now. Any acquisitions that we should know about with the Capitals? No, I think just the, um, the typical sort of offseason stuff. There's been no – mention of any sorts of regime changes. Like I said last week, I think the two biggest things to watch with the Capitals moving forward in the offseason is the uh, expansion draft. Are they going to protect T.J. Oshie or are they going to leave him unprotected? And if he is unprotected, does he end up in Seattle? And are they going to be able to look to trade um, Kuznets off? Um, you know, they, you might also look at what they do with Ilya Samsonov um, versus Vitek Vanacek. I think they think that Vanacek, uh, that Samsonov is your, your top-line starter, but certainly um, they liked how Vanacek played. He, he, was just, he started the majority of the season for them. Um, but also remember, I think they have Henrik Lundqvist coming back because he did sign that deal after I opted out, so they can have – a, um, they could go from having a really kind of not so great goalkeeping situation to a pretty decent one, mm-hmm. but I, I think the Caps just really, really, really need to focus on trying to get younger this uh, all right. season. The, this uh, the veteran, the big physical veteran team. Not that you don't want players on there, but I mean, right. unless they're playing for next season, I think the only way that they could get any older is if they sign the ghost of Gordy Howe. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> well, he's played for enough teams that I, I, he, he, at all at all star all old timer. But uh, let's move a little to the north, like and uh, all bets are probably Baltimore today. It's eight to one. Uh, the Orioles have really struggled to get some kind of a team together over the last three years. I mean, that, of course, that's more of a Doug thing than me. But uh, you know. The, Angelos, I believe, is finally looking to sell that team and the Mass and Sports Network along with it uh, until somebody else comes in and actually attempts to put together a winning baseball team. That's what you're going to look at. And O's fans, uh, you know, you feel for them because it has been – it's basically been over a generation since they've been decent. You know, they have that one – uh, playoff season uh, about what six seven years ago, and then other than that, it's just been pretty poor, and they just don't seem to have any desire to really 
to, to win uh, on a consistent basis. Roger. I'll tell you, Mike, I used to love to go to see the Orioles when I'd be down in uh, doing my two weeks of uh, reserve duty in D.C. Mm-hmm. used to go out all the, or at NSA and used to go out and see them. I loved going to the, uh, the, the, to the new ballpark, the old ballpark, and uh, and you're right. I mean, it's a shame. They, those were the days John Lowenstein was doing the games. Um, I, I know who the uh, play-by-play he was a well-known uh, uh, broadcaster, and uh, and then Bill O'Donnell, Chuck Thompson, uh, legendaries were there. But it was just a, a great to go to see the Orioles play and uh, Cal Rip playing. And you're right. I mean, you know, you wonder whether uh, how long it would take for them to recover. It's been like you know, I, I was thinking about it that the uh, the you know, the 20, um, the, the late, the mid-10s, they had the one playoff season, and they, and they were really good um, with the young Manny Machado. But then, you know, I have to go back to, like, the 90s uh, with, you know, uh, Mike Messina and Kyle Ripken on the team to remember right. the last time beyond, beyond that, that they were any good. And it, it just seems like there's no interest in it. When you think about the names that have worn the uh, Baltimore Orioles uniform, Jim Palmer, uh, like they've had some really great players in Baltimore. Uh, it's just right. the same that where the franchise is now. And I think it's turning a lot of people in that area off. Remember, Baltimore is – it wants to be its own market. It does not like being lumped in with D.C., it's got the, the uh, football team is well supported, and there are still a lot of O's fans in this area. People who grew up without a Washington baseball team and would root for for the O's, and have said, you know, we'll keep supporting them because you know you have that whole ALNL thing. Um, and Camden Yards is still a great ballpark to go to. It's just it's been such a horrible product that's been on the field right. pretty much the last twenty some odd years. I was going to say, just think now, you talked about the Palmer era. Of course, he does the TV as well. But you're talking about somebody who is a grandfather. <laughs> the last time the yeah, last time right. was really a factor. Mm-hmm. The broadcaster I was thinking of, Mike, Mel Proctor. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I do remember him. Great, great broadcaster. Did we lose Mike? No, I'm here. Yeah, did we lose Mike? Okay. No, I was just saying, right. L. Proctor. And, and uh, you know, in and, and those days, that I mean, I think Joe Angel's back. Isn't he doing uh, the Ooh. Orioles? I don't – you know what? Um, I'm not going to lie. I haven't caught a uh, – I haven't watched an Orioles broadcast or listened to one in quite a while. Well, they, uh, they they got rid of both of their broadcasters uh, this year, uh, Roger. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's doing the games this year, but uh, the, the longtime broadcaster there, like both of them, uh, Hunter as well, uh, but both were not renewed. So I don't know who's doing the Oriole games this year, to be honest with you. Oh, boy. I, I, I have no idea. No. Jim no, I don't know. He was excellent. 
Well, you're well, watching we... teams uh, tied 3-3, Mike. I can tell you that right now. They got a home run to tie it up 3-3. So they're still playing I'm actually, in, uh, in contention. In contention. I'm just watching the uh, the end of this uh, friendly between the U.S. and Costa Rica, the, the uh, men's national team playing tonight. I think it's their third game of the window uh, after picking up that win against Mexico in Colorado on Sunday. That was a big one. First time that we've beaten Mexico in years. Tommy? Yes, yeah, so when you think about the Orioles broadcast, all the great teams they had off the many, many years that way, and when you said they fired Jim Hunter, Jim Hunter used to be my old boss in CBS radio up in New York. I was his, I was his man down in Tampa and Orlando. And I, and I, and yeah, I, I worked, I worked with Jimmy too, when Jimmy was doing, Jimmy was doing this, the uh, weekend shows and, and uh, football shows on Monday night. And uh, you're right. You were, you were taking care of Cleveland and, and I was taking care of Philadelphia. We'd send them, uh, right. you know, all, all the cuts he needed for, for his shows, That's he right. he was he, he was he's a great guy and a great broadcaster, oh, but, I'm, but I'm sure he got left I, off. Uh, I met him Uh-oh. in person that one day at the trap, and he lost the score again. I think. Uh oh, I'm not. I think lost the score again. Oh dear, but no, I mean Jim Hunter was a great guy, and and members that growing up in Philadelphia, the Phillies were god awful. So you hope your TV antenna. Push it down to south. You get Channel 13 in Baltimore, WBZ, to watch the telling of the Orioles games. And, then, and that Chuck Thompson, another great announcer. You, you can tell you're watching the Baltimore is watching Chuck Thompson, a great job about that. And, you know, Don, we, we just, you know, we're so lucky to be all the experience that we had in this field. Look for the youngster trying to get in this field now. It's just very, very tough. And, and myself, I just walked into this thing, you know, with just the right place at the right time, and you know, the, the, everything would be good. And I mean, that's the main thing up there. But you know, but Mike, you know, what about the, that Washington team? What are they? I heard, I saw that on the NFL, the NFL show. That so Ryan Fitzpatrick had a sign. What's he got to do? Is that for the first day of school for him? Yeah, it's the first day of um, mini camp. For uh, mandatory mini camps this week, they're doing uh, three days. They're doing a full three days of uh, mandatory okay. team. So the, uh, the 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 PR department had them hold the sign. Had a bunch of them hold the signs uh, with for like yeah, the first day of school. It was a really cute gimmick. Um, yes, it was. It it, it, it was kind of funny. Uh, I, I, even I got a chuckle out of it, but. Uh, other than the, uh, the the assemblies, you know, I think all of the the whole team was there. Uh, they didn't have any noticeable yeah. absentees. Uh, Chase yeah. Young had skipped the voluntary program, but he was back for this. Uh, he said he had the team permission to. Uh, he was doing some uh, off the field stuff, some commercial shoots and things during the voluntary portion of it. But all of them were back. Uh, so everybody was present and or accounted for, and you know. Well, that's better. That's better than Green Bay did, Mike <laughs> Rogers. Is yeah, that's I know. Right. Yeah, it's, it's so <laughs> that's weird. Good. After all these years of the almost like constant soap opera that has been the Washington football team in the off season, 
these last couple of ones with uh, Ron Rivera have been relatively quiet. You know, they just they do their business, and that's it. So uh, just relatively quiet. We'll see. I think the biggest announcement was that they were going to do three days of um, training camp. They were going to open up their training camp in Richmond, which is partially having to do with uh, an agreement that expired last year that saw Richmond pay them something like $500,000 to do training Mm. camp down in Richmond. Well, Mike, uh, thank you very much again, as always, for this segment. We look forward to it each week, and uh, I will say this: the Islanders are still the Islanders are still up two to one. I, I yes, what I saw was a replay a minute ago, but it's two to one Islanders right now with uh, seven thirty-eight to go in the second period. So, Mike, thank you very, very much. Doug Hamilton Mike, is in the wings. All right, I'll talk to you all next week. Have a good one. Thank you. Take care. Have a great week, Mike. And, Doug, we've, we've been talking about Washington. We've been talking about Baltimore and uh, Washington struggling baseball-wise. Wait a minute. Now. Is this going to be a replay or is this uh, somebody just scored? Yeah. Islanders just scored. It's 3-1 yeah. now. I, I didn't see who scored. 3-1 with 7.21 yeah. to go. Doug, Doug, welcome in. If the Islanders win tonight, they close out the series, and they take on those Tampa Bay Lightning, and we'll see what happens to that series next. Doug, good to, good to have you aboard again. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been uh, been a long day. I was telling uh, Frank when he patched me in, we uh, we hosted um, I don't know about twenty nine of the Ravens uh, staff and coaches uh, today, and and uh, you know it was it was good to just uh, you know uh, talk to some of those guys, and and what a great group of, of coaches they have, and. and uh, you know they were they were all very gracious to uh, spend some money in the golf shop and and I know they had a good time. The weather was was pretty good, um, you know. So we had uh, Coach Harbaugh and, and Greg Roman, uh, Wink Martindale was there. Um, uh, Rob Ryan was there. Um, he's a, he's a big man. Um, still has the long flowing you know silver locks and. Uh, um, but just uh, I thought he got you know, them cut. I thought they said they nah. cut his hair. No. Well, if they did, they grew back. I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's about uh, <laughs> down to his shoulders. So uh, does you he know, still um, look like a slob? Doesn't <laughs> Doug? Well, I, th- I think the actual term that I've learned in Yiddish is schlepper. He looks like a schlepper. <laughs> a schlepper. <laughs> yeah. You know, just. Uh, you know, untucked and, and just a little bit disheveled, and and um, you know, um, it, it makes me certainly wonder. I mean, you, like Anthony Weaver was there. I know he he used to play. Looks like he still could play. I mean, there's there were a couple guys there that were, you know, still incredibly fit and in good shape and uh, and whatnot. But then you know, you, you look at uh, at some of the coaches and, and just you wonder how they can make a golf swing really in, in terms of, you know, whether it's a big belly or you know or whatever and. Uh, <laughs> You know, but, uh, just uh, great any of the guys. coaches any good? As Doug, any of the coaches uh, representative of golf or no? You know, I, I, I honestly, I didn't really, I didn't, I had so much going on, I couldn't really babysit the first tee uh, to, to to see some of the swings. Um, you know, I don't, I don't. Our driving range sits off kind of down to the left of the first tee, and I don't know that there wasn't anyone down there, so I couldn't tell you if they were in any danger or not. If if somebody hit one, you know, 
askew, if you will. So, um, I mean, the the course itself lends to being fairly wide open. Um, there are plenty of trees to, you know, to find, but, um, you know, the, those guys seemingly have a really good time. And, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm sure that there are portions of the year where they can they can play a decent amount of golf, but by and large, you know, they're, they're not really going to have a chance uh, during the season itself. I mean, I know that Coach Harbaugh was a member of Hayfields when I was there, and uh, I used to see him. If I were lucky, I'd see him six times a year, you know what I mean, because because of the schedule they keep and, and how dedicated they are to their craft. But, um, you know, again, just a, a wonderfully nice group of guys, and, and um, it was good to see them, you know, the just they didn't have practice. There were no uh, responsibilities, I think, for coaches or players today. So it was good to see them, you know, kind of, you know, just get out of the office and have a good time. And they were having a few drinks, I think, afterwards and smoking cigars and carrying on. So it was it was good. Um, I enjoyed it. Is, is Harbaugh still a member of uh, a Hayfield? I don't think he is. Or is he a member of your club now? No. I mean, Ozzie Newsom's the one that sponsored him. He's he's the member uh, oh. that, that uh, made, made the times for all those guys. And um, I, I needled uh, their, their their one guy. His name is uh, Dan Parsons. I think he's like Harbaugh's assistant or something. And uh, I needled him to get one of their bucket caps for uh, the training camp. You know how those guys wear those bucket caps with the, uh, the little string under your chin or whatever? I was, I was so damn excited when he when he came in and gave that to me. I'm definitely going to wear that when I go to the beach. I can tell you that right now. Uh-huh. There you go. <laughs> Did you get any Did you get any football news from the coaches while they were there? You know, I didn't. Um, I didn't cross that line with those guys. I mean, um, I know they're there to have a good time and and um, you know just just have a just have fun and, and interact. And they they like to needle each other. A lot of the coaches were were carrying on with each other and, and whatnot, having a good time. But uh, I didn't. I didn't really get into you know a lot of um, you know the the office talk, if you will. Um, I've always you know, maintained that wherever, you know, wherever I was. Um, I think the only person I truly talked shop with was Rick Dempsey uh, when I, when I was at Hayfields because he just, he just loved to talk about baseball all the time. You know what I mean? And, and uh, there's some people that I think you feel them out and they, they enjoy it. Uh, but other people like coach Harbaugh, I would never really, you know, get into that kind of stuff with him because, um, you know, I just, I just don't think they want to come someplace and you know what I mean? Like it's, they don't. They're a celebrity when they're a celebrity, but when they go to play golf like that, I just want them to be a normal dude and just blend in and, and be a right. chameleon. You know what I mean? Like that's. I think that's the respectful thing to do. Now, if they, if they approach you and have a conversation, you know about things. Um, like you know, Anthony. I think it was Anthony Weaver, uh, or maybe it was another guy. He looked at me and he goes, "I think, I think you ought to coach for us." You know, because he looked. I guess he looked and thought I was, you know, fit enough to, you know, do something. But I, I met their strength and conditioning coach. Um, you know, we talked a bunch of different stuff about, you know, some of their routines and, and those sorts of things. Um, I mean, L.J. Ford is a member at Woodholm. Um, he's one of their uh, middle linebackers. He's a really nice guy. And, and uh, you know, so there's – it's just fun to, to pick their brains about certain things, you know, regarding, you know, training and, and what they kind of do. I mean, they're – takes a special kind of person to play uh, at the professional level. And, and it's just – it's not just God-given talent. You know, it's, it's hard work and, and – uh, you know, all the preparations they do in and out of the classroom and, and on the field. So, um, you know, it's it's just fun to kind of be around those those kind of guys. Tommy, uh, get the lightning ready because uh, the Islander just scored again. It's now 4-1. to one. 
And yeah. there's 326 to go in the game. And, uh, of course, the Islanders win. We'll put that game on ice, and they'll be coming down to take on the Lightning. Are you ready, Tommy? Yes, I am. I think the dates for uh, people who are interested in listening to the Tampa Bay market, check their TampaBayLightning.com website. It's a probably thing to get on the NHL to get the Islanders a day off on two, on Thursday, Friday. And they'll probably start game number one Saturday afternoon, night or evening. We don't think game number two is right on Sunday in the afternoon and evening. So back to back weekend of hockey coming up at the at the Emily Arena, guys. I'm I'm resting up for it. I, I and this is my favorite time of year. I can't wait for it for the playoffs. Oh, I'll season. tell you, I and think they'll be the feature game but as long as they're playing the Islanders and the, and the Lightning. I think they'll be the feature game of whatever whatever time they're on. What NBC looking for probably a Saturday night game, the prime time, the prime time market Saturday night or a Sunday afternoon game. So they're probably looking for to take up all the take up all the airtime for the rest of the network. So I'm so glad. Well, I'm glad we'll see. They still got another period to go. It's two uh, two oh seven to go in the second. Four one Islanders, and uh, we'll see what happens. Roger, you're up. Well, I, I'd be surprised, Tommy, if they play uh, back-to-back days. Usually they they want to have uh, one in between so they can rest up a little bit, don't they? I mean, that's what my experience has been during the uh, Cup Series. Well, this is, a, this is a different scenario right now. So they're trying to get the hockey finished by no later in July, and this is where they're, they're finished up there. So two days off, Lightning's ready to go, Lightning – Took the day off to be back practicing and Brandon tomorrow and get ready for the hardest game Saturday. It's going to be Saturday night, I think. I'm not sure the times. I'm just saying, and maybe they'll have the game on Monday night or something like that. Because you, cause you guys, you know, that's going to be the number one attraction right there. You know, they don't care what's going on in the other part of the league. What's the, what's the Stanley Cup final? I mean, Eastern final with your defending champion playing. All the coverage will be on the Tampa Bay Lightning right now, which is great, and it should be on there, these guys now. And I think it's going to be a great series. I, I think I'm not going to predict, predict anything right now, but just to have, for Mr. Vinnick to have two extra games back at the Emily Arena to make up for all the money he lost last year. So right now he's basically in the profit right now, in the in the black. So it's good for everybody, good for everybody to get involved in this. And if you're in the Tampa Bay area, log on our website, TampaBayLightning.com, to find out watch parties, time of the games, and everything else under the sun. So let's go to our website, Donner. Thank you, Doc, for letting me say that. Thank Roger, you. Roger, the, uh, the truth of the matter is that Tommy has a date on Saturday night. He told her he'd take her at the dinner and a show. So if he can get a free meal at the arena and she can watch the game, he's got it made. <laughs> Not like it used to be. Next year will be. Next year, next year will be Frank, I guess. But oh, it, it, it's just that it, it, I know it's, when you're watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now you'd be a part of it. Now, like wow, it's just a, it's just an honor to go to work every day. I don't know what happens. Well, Let's, let's chat a little bit with Doug here about two things. One of the Yankees are down about five that I think were in Minnesota. And uh, we mm-hmm. talked about Rogers a little bit earlier just when Doug was coming on. And uh, I know you follow that football scene as we all do. Uh, some of your thoughts about what's happening in Green Bay, Doug. 
this all started uh, right around the, the, the draft night where, you know, there were rumbles that, that he could have been traded, um, you know, on that particular night that, you know, certain teams were interested, um, obviously ones that were at the top of the draft that were looking at quarterback, quarterbacks. So um, something something's, something's going wrong in their front office or between the head coach and him or, there's there's an obvious reason why he's he's very upset, um, you know. So he he is kind of drawing a line in the sand and and uh, making it known that he doesn't really want to participate in, in a lot of the, you know, either voluntary voluntary or even the, the mandatory stuff uh, that they're doing. Uh, so I think he's, you know, trying to force their hand in terms of of trading him. Obviously, Green Bay understands. They're not. They're not, uh, they're not ready for life after Aaron Rodgers um, at this particular point in time. So obviously they want to keep a hot commodity. He's a he's an MVP of, of multiple times. So um, yeah, well, I don't know. It's it's you know we've we've seen this play itself out across many sports where you know the the player itself eventually wins uh, when it comes to you know demanding a trade or, or what have you. I mean. What, what are the possible landing spots for Aaron Rodgers uh, that he would want to go, you know, play? I mean, Denver. I mean, that seems to be a logical landing spot for him. Um, you know, um, trying to think of some other places that would that would work. Um, Who could afford him? Who could afford him? Um, you'd be surprised how these teams can can work trades or or clear cap space with restructuring and all those sorts of things. I mean, I think. You know, if you're if you're a team that's seemingly on the cusp of of doing something good, um, and, and you can add a piece like that, I think you'll you'll figure out how to make it work. Um, you know, realistically, how many years does he have left to play at that level? I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, but Aaron Rodgers has been a, a lifelong Packer, so it's you know, like I said, there's there's something obvious that's you know that we're not that we're not privy to that, that he's upset about. I don't, I don't exactly know what it is. It can't be money. It can't be playing time. It can't be, you know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, um, you know, he's coming off an MVP campaign, so I, I don't know what it could be. Um, well, what started it was last year, Doug, when, when they uh, didn't tell him that they were going to draft a uh, quarterback. And, well, uh, he, and then he has an MVP season and uh, and then he wants the general manager uh, let go. Uh, you're mm-hmm. you're right. It's got to be uh, something very substantial that we don't know about. Well, I think that drafting of of Jordan Love was was kind of a you know I think that irritated him. But I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, you know, I think he's he's more conscientious about the moves that they're making to you know fulfill the roster, if you will, and. Um, you know, take, taking a quarterback that was fairly, I wouldn't say unproven, but there was no need for I mean, they took a, they took a quarterback in the first round. They took a running back, I think, in the second. I mean, he, he needed receivers. He needed offensive line. They need defensive. You know what I mean? I guess that's his point is that they're, they're not making wise personnel decisions, uh, you know, to, to round out the roster to give them the best opportunity to win. I mean, he carried that team on his back for most of that year, you know, with that kind of a season. Um you know, so I, I don't know. I guess I, I unless there's some myth, you know, between him and the head coach on how they call plays, or, or I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure. You know, I think it's been kept under wraps. You know, eventually it'll come out, but but we don't know. You know what the actual 
you know, object of their desire is. So, so if he Just goes sidebar here for a minute, uh, McDonald, who was the one that accused Cole of uh, of doctoring the ball a little bit, now plays for Minnesota. Oh, no. He was going head-to-head with him here, and uh, Cole struck him out. So I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen uh, as far as doctoring the ball is concerned, but uh, uh, they're certainly asking him a lot of questions. He's not answering a lot of questions. Uh, so baseball is going through another transition. And, uh, Doug, back to you for a moment because you're coming up to uh, the U.S. Open. And uh, what is it, mm-hmm. a week away, two weeks, a week and a half away, right? Yeah, Father's Day weekend is usually the, you know, parallel for, uh, you know, the the U.S. Open. And I know that they were, I was watching, uh, I think, the Golf Channel yesterday, maybe the day before, where they had all the the local qualifiers at all the country clubs across the nation that, you know, that they had limited spots and people were getting in. I think the U.S. Open is such an incredibly fun story, um, you know, that, that anybody can really, um, as an open event can qualify, you know, I think that's, that's really, really cool to, to really determine your, your nation's national champion, you know, with regard to the event itself. So, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good stories that come out of those qualifiers and, and, uh, you know, people that get a chance to tee it up in that event that, you know, otherwise wouldn't have had that opportunity. I think it's wonderful. I really do. We just saw that here in New Jersey. A young lady from uh, from New Jersey is 17 years old. Uh, went into the women's as an amateur uh, last weekend, mm-hmm. and uh, she was right there, tied for the lead after three rounds. Mm-hmm. She shot a 77 uh, on the fourth final round, uh, and I think she finished third, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I think she finished third. But as you said, there's a 17-year-old youngster amateur who uh, you know got in and and. Almost, uh, you know, created yeah. a real story. Sure. Yeah, and no, Mickelson's going to be ready. Everybody will be watching Mickelson now because of what happened yeah. <laughs> two weeks ago. Sure. Yeah, that's the one that's always eluded him. He's been, he's been on on the doorstep several right. times, but couldn't, couldn't close the that's deal. Right. And that's if you were if you were rooting for anybody, you'd want him to put that last feather in his cap, um, you know, and, and go ahead and get a win at the U.S. Open and. You know, being at Torrey Pines, I mean, that's that's kind of his, his backyard, you know. So, um, you know, I know he knows that place very well. Yeah, you grew up there. Uh, okay, Roger, you're up. The uh, Well, that's a good point about uh, Mickelson. I mean, uh, look at the, uh, the fandom that has uh, surfaced uh, for him. He was always a popular guy, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes with at the next tournament and how he uh, performs. Uh, mm-hmm. You guys are golfers. What do you think? You think that he can continue uh, uh, the surge and, uh, you know, because of his physical improvement, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I certainly don't think you can, you can't count him out for sure. Um, I mean, obviously the, the perfect storm would be that he's, he's, uh, you know, coming off, um, you know, you know, a major win. He's, he's, uh, um, you know, he's in good shape. He's, he's playing well. He's, uh, in a familiar territory with Tory Pines. He's, you know what I mean? This is the one that he needs. I mean, there's a lot of pieces here that I think add up, so you certainly can't, you know, count him out, but, you know, Don and I've talked about this for years on the show that, you know, on any given week, you just, you just don't know who's going to step up. I mean, you know, it, it takes, 
you know, one good round to get you near the top of the leaderboard, two good rounds to to stay there, three good rounds, you know what I mean? All of a sudden you get somebody that, that's coming off, a, you know, a really good couple rounds and they, they, they just put it all together and, and uh, it could be anybody, you know? I mean, you you have your favorites, you have your people that you look for, look for uh, that mm-hmm. are at the top of the world rankings, but, um, you know, you just never know. Hey, Doug, Doug, hang on for that. Minute till next week, Frank's a tick, tick, tock up against Mickey's quad. So, <laughs> as always, Doug, thank you for coming on. Mr. Don Henderson is always a pleasure. Roger Henner is always a pleasure. And Frank Carroll, great job. Uh, great job of spinning the dollars as they say in the old radio, radio days. Take care, fellas. We'll Good do back. it all again next week. Have Frank, a, thank you very much. Week. God bless. Okay, Frank, take care. Thank you so much uh, for putting everything together. And you are. You are our commander. Take care. Tommy, nice have a great week. You. you too, Doug. Thank you. Thank you, Roger. Thanks, Doug. Well, well, Frank, another great show. I'd like to thank Billy Wendell. Billy Wendell, that was not coming on. And, and we had on a Philadelphia, um, uh, Philadelphia legend up there, too, Tom, Tom LeMay, talking to hockey. And then we had Roy Cummings on there. So, and once again, hockey fans in the Tampa Bay area, we don't know the dates yet or the times yet, but log on to TampaBayLightning.com for that information, which you could go to the game as a fan inside or sit outside the arena. So most experiences are great. And Frank, always, always a pleasure for my family, your family. God bless you and everyone and every day. Thank you, Frank. Great job okay, as thanks, always, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation. The men and women of the United States Armed Forces and the men and women police and fire services. When you're out there and you see somebody in a uniform, please, please let them know that you know they're there. These are very, very tough times for people in uniform. These programs are also dedicated to those who have lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, Sergeant Thomas Painter, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazowitz, <clears throat> Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers. San Diego Officer Mike Handler, Lieutenant Mike Zerba, Newcastle County Police, Patrolman Anafa Crispin, Lakeland PD, Chief Al Ogle, Longwood Key Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Longwood Fire Department, Highway Patrolman Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrolman Brian Zero, Philadelphia Fire, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, <coughs> uh, Highway Patrolman uh, Brian Murphy, Plymouth Township Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman Robert Jermaine, Windermere, Florida Police Department, Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department, uh, Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia uh, Police Department, uh, Lieutenant uh, Deborah Clayton, uh, Orlando Police Department, Delaware State Police, Sergeant Roddy Bond, uh, Captain Chris Fleece, Wilmington Fire Department, Lieutenant Terry Fikas, Department Fire Department, Lieutenant Artis Hope, Wilmington Fire Department, FLE Special Inspector Vinny Galaccio, Delaware State Trooper, Corporal Stephen Ballard, uh, Kissimmee Police Officer Matt Baxter, Kissimmee Sergeant Sam Howard, Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Bill Gentry, Highland County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Clay Zerba, Clay County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Natalie Corona, L.A. County Sheriff's Department. Deputy April Rodriguez, Pisco County Sheriff's Department. 
Officer Bob McKetchen, Biloxi, Kentucky Police Department. Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. Sergeant Brian LeVake, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department. And Deputy Mike Malik, Pinellas County Sheriff's Department. My brothers and sisters, you may be 10-7 at this point in time. At some time, we'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. Until that time, may the roads rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields and the sun shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your families always in the hallow of his hands. Good night. God bless and have a great week. Tower, strength and length.